Earnings growth is trending negative, but not all of the market is listening. Here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of May 15th, 2023, and today we're talking U.S. earnings season. With over 80% of companies now having reported their financial results for the first quarter, it's a good time to do it. And to help me dive into the details of how those earnings relate to the market, I'm pleased to welcome back our very own Macro Mike. Always glad to be here, especially when we see a portion of the market so at odds with what's going on with fundamentals. Well, we're going to get there. I think that's a very good point. But let's first spend some time breaking down exactly what we learned from company reporting this quarter. The market has been tumultuous lately, and we've been writing and discussing a lot about the risks facing investors, from the ongoing pressure on bank stocks to the debt ceiling, et cetera. And unfortunately, we're going to pile onto that here a bit before we get to the good news. So I guess then let's start with the bad news, Mike. Earnings growth was negative in Q1 of 2023, so January, February, March, relative to the prior quarter, the last quarter of 2022. That's correct. Earnings growth, the growth in the bottom line profits companies are taking home, contracted by 5.4% in the first quarter of 2023 relative to the last quarter of last year, 2022. But it's actually not all bad news. Sales growth, covering only the top line, expanded by 4.6%. Both of these are weaker relative to the previous quarter, but still, I want to point out that the top line is holding up okay. Well, it's an important distinction for us to start out with. Earnings cover the top and bottom lines. Top line revenues are the sales that companies are bringing in and the prices they're charging, where the bottom line includes information about cost management. And I want to just note that if earnings are contracting by 5.4% and the top line is growing by 4.6%, that's a pretty big difference. So as you noted, Mike, those two stories are diverging quite a bit. Yeah, they are. Most sectors are delivering negative earnings growth. And where earnings growth is negative, it's double-digit negative, other than in consumer staples. So this is a decisive contraction here. And at the same time, most sectors are delivering positive sales growth. So as a whole, bottom-line earnings are still under pressure, even when top-line revenues are growing. So that signals that costs in the in-between are adding up, even though a relatively resilient consumer and inflated prices are helping keep the revenue stream higher. This is a slight tangent, but I think this can tell us something about the labor market. It's a really good point. For the last several months, we've pointed to the resilience of both earnings and sales, which have suggested really solid cost management decisions by companies. And the biggest cost center for most firms is, you guessed it, labor. Yeah, so the solid earnings paired with the strong jobs market suggested that companies were doing a great job managing costs, and they weren't doing so by cutting jobs outside of the tech sector where we have seen more layoffs. And this quarter's results are still relatively resilient, but rising pressure on the cost side might start to signal to us that more companies in more sectors might be looking at their labor forces in the next few months. I'm really glad you brought up this point, Michael, about the labor market, because it's a great example of how these earnings figures can actually provide us insight into the broader economy just as much as the corporate environment itself. So with the big picture like that under our belts, you've mentioned that there was actually some good news about earnings. The good news, even though earnings were negative, they were less negative than expected. This is what the industry calls a positive surprise, although I have to say it feels a little more like a consolation prize than outright good news. Well, here's where the story feels muddled. 
there was a bigger positive surprise in earnings than in sales, 7.7% versus 3% respectively. These positive surprises in earnings were led by consumer discretionary materials and industrial sectors. Okay, then just to keep that straight for our listeners, by summarizing, earnings were more negative this quarter, but less so than expected. Sales were positive, but less of a happy surprise to the market. How can that be true? Well, what's really important to remember here is that when you lower the bar to the floor, it's impossible to disappoint, right? That's basically what U.S. companies did for Q1. It's a little bit sassy, but you're actually entirely right. What Mike's referring to here is a simple but powerful tool companies use called guidance, signaling their expectations for the following quarter when they release earnings results. And guidance can play a major role in how earnings releases are interpreted by the market. A huge earnings beat this quarter with very negative guidance, for example, might not enthuse most investors. So many companies try to underpromise so that they can overdeliver. Exactly. And what companies did was guide investors to have lower earnings expectations for the first quarter. That's why we have a relatively positive earnings surprise. We were told not to expect much, and we got slightly more than expected. Bloomberg provides an EPS and earnings per share guidance momentum score each quarter, which was negative 0.2 for Q1, by far the lowest of this cycle. And we know that companies guided low because the guidance coming out now for Q2 2023 is less negative. But does that mean that companies think Q1, the quarter that we just ended, was the worst part of the cycle and that earnings are going to move upward from here? Not necessarily. It mainly implies that they already had guided for a slowdown. And that guidance just isn't getting much worse from that lower base. You have to have some respect for the expectations management game at a time like this. That brings us to our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. And I'd like to now translate all of the earning fundamentals we just discussed into what's happening in the market, because the two are not necessarily telling the same story. Big theme in the past few weeks was very narrow market leadership. That is, a select few growth companies were leading the majority of returns for the broader index. This is largely seen as a lower quality rally because the rally doesn't have the breadth across sectors, styles, and sizes of companies. Breadth has improved a bit in the past few weeks, but we're still looking at a market driven by tech-related growth companies, which span the information technology, communications, and consumer discretionary sectors. The earnings picture that we just described is a bit muddled, frankly. Earnings are negative, but less than expected. And we've said before that the market is often an expectations game, but we also can't ignore the clear downward trend of earnings expectations over the last several quarters. So then, Mike, how does that relate to the narrow market performance you've mentioned? I think it sort of doesn't. I think the market is largely ignoring these earnings results in favor of a more dominant flavor of the week, which is interest rates. Since the Fed met a couple weeks ago, the bond market has started pricing in three interest rate cuts in the second half of the year. Now, for the record, our team does not agree with that standard market pricing. We are inclined to agree with what the Fed itself has signaled, which is that in order for inflation to come down to target and remain there, interest rates will need to stay on hold rather than reversing immediately after they peaked. But at least the traders of Fed funds futures are expecting those cuts. The potential for relief from higher interest rates has been a very powerful force in the market since 2022, driving temporary relief rallies in more pro-cyclical assets, including growth equities, international equities, and even small cap equities. 
So I guess that means then that this earnings season already feels forgotten, at least by those growth sectors driving the market. But we might be able to say that the relative performance stagnation of the remaining sectors is actually in line with this muddled earnings picture. And finally, to get to our real investment idea, this is where the distinction between profitable and profitless tech companies becomes really important. Profitability matters, at least eventually. The market may be trading on interest rate relief now, but there's a reason that relief will be necessary. The slowing of the economic cycle potentially into recession. And when recession hits, the fundamentals really matter. Awesome, Mike. Thanks so much for joining me today on the pod. Coming up next, there may be a variety of risks facing the market, like ongoing pressure on banks or the debt ceiling debate. But as we monitor these risks, we're staying tuned into any indication that part of the positive upholding angle of the market, the U.S. consumer, could be holding up. We'll be looking at data releases on retail sales and housing this week. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, please remember to give us a like, follow, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at NewYorkLifeInvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamox and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which may vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. There's no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nylife Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nylife Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.